Welcome to the Nutritional Outlook Podcast. I'm Jennifer Grebo, Editor-in-Chief of Nutritional Outlook Magazine. And I'm Sebastian Kravitz, Editor. Um, We are your podcast hosts. Nutritional Outlook Magazine um, is a multimedia publishing brand and leading informational resource for manufacturers of dietary supplements, healthy foods, and natural products. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Ashish Talati, a partner at the law firm of Amin Talati Wasserman. Ashish is here to discuss what could happen if CBD eventually becomes legal for use in dietary supplements and or food in the US. CBD, as most of you know, stands for cannabidiol and it is one of the most popular cannabinoids in the hemp plant. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Ashish. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truesterumntwk.com. Hello, podcasters. Today we're interviewing Ashish Talati, a partner at Amin Talati Wasserman. Ashish is here to discuss how the CBD market in the U.S. could change if CBD is one day legalized for use in dietary supplements here. Thank you for joining us today, Ashish. Thank you so much. Hello, Jen (laughs) and Sebastian. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm happy to chat more about my favorite topic, which is CBD. So thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. Um, Okay, let's jump in. Um, First of all, Ashish, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience in the CBD and the dietary supplement space? Sure. So, you know, we, I'm a partner at Amin Talati Wasserman. We are based out of Chicago, LA, and Washington, D.C. And we are pretty much counsel to what I say, the consumer product goods industry, that covers food, supplements, cosmetics, beverages, um, OTC drugs, medical devices. Um, and what we help companies, uh, it's from you know, the entire supply chain, the life cycle of a product, so from a concept stage to marketing, getting any approvals. Uh, we have four practice areas. Um, I lead the compliance team um, that advises companies on regulatory matters um, for any of those products. And we have an IP team that does patents and trademarks, and we have a transactional team that does supplier agreements, licensing agreements, distribution agreements. And we have a litigation team um, that I would say is the best in class um, that handles all sorts of litigation, so trademark, patent, uh, false advertising, class actions. Um, and we got into the CBD business or advising companies, I would say almost 10 years ago when one of our clients approached us um, you know, so that was sometime around 2011. Um, no one had heard of CBD, or at least, you know, I had not. Um, and we started looking into it. And since then, we have come a long way. Uh, we represent about 150 companies in the hemp CBD space um, currently, and uh, I've been pretty active um, through our work with a roundtable. Uh, that's an industry coalition of about 70 companies. So we have done a lot of work in this space and uh, happy to chat more. Fantastic. Happy to hear more about your expertise through this line of questioning. Um, 
I think uh, moving on to the topic at hand, what are the possible ways in which CBD could become legal in the United States and or in dietary supplements and uh, or food? Um, and can you point to any regulatory developments, um, either recent, either recent or upcoming, um, that can kind of point into you know what we can expect? Great question. Great question. So at least at the federal level, um, you, you know there are a couple of paths, uh, you know, through congressional actions. So you know, if Congress passes legislation that would allow CBD in dietary supplements and foods. Um, the another pathway is through FDA rulemaking. Uh, I think the congressional action seems most likely. Um, you know, FDA had, had an opportunity to do something for a long time now, and you know, for a variety of reasons, they have not. Um, so we certainly think um, you know, congressional action is possibly the, the best bet. Um, and we do have several bills, uh, one in-house, one in the Senate and, and that have been introduced. And then we also have, um, you know, just last week we saw, uh, you know, Senator Schumer introduce the draft language um, around some legislation that he may introduce uh, sometime in the fall. So there, there are some opportunities. Um, certainly, I think that uh, congressional action is possibly the best bet. Um, in terms of uh, allowing CBD in dietary supplements and foods. Absolutely. And, you know, just the, the news keeps rolling out. And, you know, just that Schumer bill that you mentioned just in July, middle of July. So that is, um, you know, such an exciting space to watch. Um, given the regulatory uncertainties at present, how have you been advising companies to conduct themselves, both in order to operate in the present and also to prepare for any regulatory changes in the future. You know, so many things are uncertain. Um, you know, what kind of advice are you giving your clients? That's a great question too. And you know, at some point, it comes down to um, companies deciding what exactly are they looking for. What is their business plan? I mean, you know, we have been advising companies since 2011. Um, and certainly since the farm bill in 2018, when there was a lot more action and more companies got involved. Um, but the one thing that has said, stayed the same is the risk assessment, you know, what are, what should companies do? And what we have been saying is, you know, certainly FDA's position has not changed. Um, so companies, if they choose to do business in the hemp CBD industry, um, that is not going to change in terms of you know, the FDA's position. But companies should still comply with everything else that they can in terms of labeling their products, um, you know, manufacturing side. And one interesting example I can give is, you know, many times. Um, I think to this date, even there are some companies that still believe in it is, you know, when the clients come to us and say, well, FDA says I cannot sell this product as a dietary supplement, so I'm just not going to label it as a dietary supplement. And then they'll continue marketing it, not understanding that the product needs to fit into one of the existing categories. So if you don't label it as a dietary supplement, then what is your product? Um, and that 
you know, something like that. I've heard from people that I thought know the FDA regulations in and out, and they would make a statement like that. But at the end of the day, I think that companies should be reacting, acting right now, um, assuming, you know, whether there is a legislation sometime this year or next year, I, I certainly think the momentum has uh, been, you know, pushed. Uh, we have two active bills and possibly a third one. Um, so certainly companies should be reacting to it. And one of the things that will come out of this is, does a company need to file NDI notifications for dietary supplements? Uh, or is there a grass pathway for foods if it's allowed in the food supply? Um, what are some of the safety studies that companies should be, um, you know, at least supplier of those raw materials should be doing? So a lot of the groundwork should have been done. Um, if someone's reacting right now, um, you know, they're probably um, not going to be the first ones. I'll tell you, I have clients that have basically uh, completed a lot of that, are just ready to file if you know they have to file NDA notifications or complete any grass work. A lot of that work has been done by some of the companies already, you know, because they want to be the first ones out the gate, so to speak. So there's a lot that companies can do um, in terms of how they conduct themselves. Uh, certainly, you want to check off as many regulatory requirements as you can, um, both at the federal and the state level. Speaking of NDI notifications and um, generally recognize as safe um, conclusions, um, how should companies approach those in terms of uh, CBD? I, I think that, you know, at least, you know, one thing that will happen um, that we see anticipating is in opportunities, right? And you know, if there is a legislation that's passed, certainly there will be an opportunity for growth. Uh, more companies will get into it. Um, but the requirements, if, if it's a requirement to file NDI notifications or grass um, conclusions, either self-grass or grass notifications, um, whatever that is, companies should know what the requirements are, what are uh, some of the safety studies that they need to have, um, and the dossier, you know, drafting of it. Um, I know, like I mentioned, you know, several companies that have uh, at least, you know, internally completed that, you know, and they're ready. So um, that's something that companies should be mindful of. You know, if you are someone that gets the raw material from the supplier of CBD or hemp extract, you should be asking tough questions. You know, what are they prepared to do? Um, it's very important that your supply chain can react to it. Um, and then be prepared and asking if the supplier is not able to do it or you can, uh, you know, tell that they have not really done anything, then be able to switch to a supplier. The market will have multiple suppliers that are that have completed this or are willing to complete the process. Uh, and if you are a branded company that has its own supply chain, so to speak, then you should be doing all of that already if you haven't. Um, so I think there's a lot of work that uh, needs to happen um, 
especially for companies that are going to be the first ones or they want to react to the opportunities that will come um, as there is more clarity down the road. To follow up, um, you talk about, you know, you know, preparing um, your company to file an NDI or a grass notification or a grass conclusion. Um, I know kind of currently NDI is kind of out of the question because of the drug um, preclusion, but like what about a grass status? Would you, do you think it's wise for a company to, you know, you know, draw a grass conclusion now or do they th- do you think they should wait i think so so to you know there's some one or i wouldn't say misunderstanding but either grass or ndi they're safety conclusions so the bottom the foundation for those if we call it ndi notification so grass uh, the foundation is the same which is essentially safety analysis so if someone's working on grass or someone's working on NDI, they can certainly, their foundation will be the same. So what, what I'm trying to say is that companies, you know, as right now, they're not filing NDI notifications uh, due to FDS position, but preparing um, self-grass or a panel that will review um, the dossier. Or if someone doesn't want to do that, the underlying studies and review of the safety will go a long way. So regardless of what they decide to do, um, certainly right now, what we recommend to companies is, uh, you know, go through the whole motion. So if you want to go down the grass path, uh, have the studies done, um, have them published, the 90-day subchronic study, have the grass dossier drafted, have the expert panel review and sign off. Once you go through that motion, you can react to it, whatever the path is down the road. If it's just NDI notifications, for example, then you can take that information and compile it into an NDI notification. Uh, If it's grass work, then a lot of the work that's already been done. So having all of that done will go a long way. Um, And certainly the companies that have done a lot of the work you'll see that they are positioning themselves to, you know, they'll be able to react and grow much faster um, than someone just trying to react to it now or even six months from now. Got it. And a follow-up question to that follow-up question. Um, you mentioned, you know, it's great that you're laying out these um, recommendations for best practices and how companies can prepare themselves now. Do you see a good number of companies doing this? Or would you say that the number who are doing so are still in the minority? I would say that at least maybe anywhere from eight to 10 companies that I'm aware of that I have been fortunate to work with um, have done it or are are pretty much done or have a head start. I'm sure there are others. the industry by some standard, there were like 3000 brands. So it certainly looks like a tiny portion of it, but uh, a lot of has to do with um, some of the companies just not understanding, um, you know, they just think that they don't need to do it or it's not required. And primarily probably because of the enforcement, you know, not being there Um, and the market not asking for it. 
Um, you know, so if you are a distributor of hemp CBD products, are you asking a brand to provide their, um, you know, regulatory classification or what process they have done? They're not, you know. So I think down the road, some of that may change, but the companies that are doing all of this work uh, certainly are doing it because they want the market share um, when things do get clear. So if you have a, a big box store that will get into hemp CBD, they're going to ask, what's your regulatory classification? And if a company can't say anything or is not able to address that, they're not going to carry that product. So at the end, there will be five, six companies that uh, have that, and they'll be the first ones. Others will join at some point, but it's, it's the first to market, I think, um, when it comes to big box or any other major retailers. Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually this segues nicely into you know, our next question. So let's jump into the future. Say CBD does become legal for use in dietary supplements in the US. Um, on the FDA front, first of all, what happens next at FDA? How long, and how long do you think, you know, whatever the process is, how long would that take? Great question. So I, I certainly, don't have all the answers to that because a lot of that needs to be worked out. But I think that let's let's assume legislation is passed and a lot of the work still needs to happen. So, you know, even though a bill is introduced, you'll have some changes to it. But when it passes, there is a process around it. Um, you know, certainly FDA will start accepting i mean if you ask them now they'll say yes we're accept, accepting notifications right now but um when that process is developed um, companies will be able to file and fda will review it um, if there is some sort of threshold that's being set um, then that process will take some time um, so it's not going to be an overnight um you know today it's not okay tomorrow it's okay i mean certainly it will be okay but the process the rulemaking and the structure will take some time, um, but companies will um, have an opportunity, regardless if it's in the notifications, they'll have to submit those and file those. And how long does that take to prepare and submit? Um, and no one really knows right now in terms of that. Um, so there will be opportunity to react. It's just that you're not able to do all the safety studies overnight. Some of the safety studies take six to nine months. There are some studies in the literature um, that companies can use, but having, if someone's starting from scratch, then they will be scrambling. Um, but I think that there will be a time period where companies will have much more clarity once things have settled down. And what about the CBD market itself? Um, if CBD does become legal for supplements or even in food, um, what, how can that change the market itself? I think the, the market will expand drastically. You know, there, right now, a lot of the retailers um, and major players are certainly, you know, not... Uh, in the hemp CBD space, uh, and they will love to get into it. So that opportunity will come, and that will expand the market uh, and be it dietary supplement or food. 
um, either a category or both categories and the opportunities uh, will be tremendous you know, for companies to get into it. Um, and in terms of, you know, some of the, the hurdles that we have, obviously certainly that will go away too. You know, even right now I, I, I get clients that uh, run into issues because some vendor or supplier um, doesn't think it's, uh, doesn't want to be in the hemp CBD business right now, you know, so things will get easier. Our market will expand and opportunities will be there for sure. Great. And, you know, something that I'll, a topic that always comes up when we talk about the CD market is CBD market are bad actors, or, you know, like you mentioned before, companies that just may not be uh, fully aware of how they need to be um, navigating this market to be compliant on the regulatory front. So we hear so much about the varying degree of quality and compliance in this current CBD market. If CBD is legalized in supplements, do you think that really could help to clean up the market? You know, and what other factors need to come into play to really clean up the market? I imagine it's not just one thing, but maybe a multitude of requirements i think so. I, I i think that you know the responsibility is going to be both on the industry and fda uh, and states you know um all three parties will have to work um certainly you know it doesn't help the industry that uh, you know some companies don't follow the regulations and uh, it's not the level playing field um and it certainly doesn't uh, help fda or the states so I, I think FDA will need to do more in terms of enforcement. The industry will need to self-police and the states will also get involved. Um, but all three parties will have to be more active. Um, and therefore the industry, uh, they'll need to do their part. I mean, if a supplier or or a brand is not compliant, then um, what does the industry self-policing process look like? Um, I mean, I've, other industries have done it, and um, certainly and the hemp CBD industry can do the same. But uh, I think, uh, you know, the bad actors, certainly that's going to hurt everyone. So it's, it's in everyone's interest to address that. Yeah. What about state versus federal laws? Um, how would a federal CBD regulation either work in conjunction with or supersede uh, existing state requirements uh, for CBD? I think that the state regulations will be there. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, because FDA was really not reacting, um, the states had to step up and, you know, they, because the stakeholders were you know, trying to either ask the states or FDA or Congress to do something, but, you know, allowing CBD hemp in the foods uh, or dietary supplements and you saw a lot of the states pass regulations um, to address that. Uh, we'll see that the, it's going to be a combination. You know, at the federal level of DA regulations will be certainly be have been there, and you know, once it's okay, you'll have the entire framework. But the state side, some of the labeling requirements, testing requirements, um, will probably be in place. Um, so it's going to be both at the federal and the state level working together. Yeah. Perfect. And also, Ashish, what about food? You know, we've been talking a lot about CBD being made legal, legal in dietary supplements, but what are its prospects for also being made legal in food in the U.S.? 
Great question. And that's the one topic that, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of, um, you know, passion on both sides. Um, the dietary supplement industry is saying, well, let's take what we get. Uh, so if it's dietary supplements, let's just take that. And then we have the food side, players in the food side um, certainly don't want to be left behind. So they, they, they want the food to be covered as well. Um, the two bills that we have, one covers dietary supplements and foods. The other one only covers dietary supplements. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you ask FDA, um, at least uh, it seems clear that they are okay with dietary supplements, but not as much with foods. Um, but then we have some states where it's okay. Um, they have passed legislation to allow it in foods. So the answer is not so clear. Um, I, I think that, you know, having it in food and dietary supplements certainly um, seems um, possible, but dietary supplements have a little bit of a head start if I can put it that way. Fair enough. Um, just a couple more questions for you, Ashish. Um, what will the legal status of other cannabinoids be if CBD um, becomes uh, legal in dietary supplements? That, that, that's a good question, too. And, you know, if, if you look at it, um, you know, FDA or the pharma industry, they'll say, well, you know, now, um, you know, if we allow it and open it up for all constituents, then really, you know, the exception will swallow the rule, so to speak, in, in terms of, you know, not having any sort of guidelines around it. Uh, and what the industry is saying, well, you know, we went through the CBD experience, we don't want... Uh, to go through the same process and again for any other ingredients. Um, right now, I think it's still an uphill battle. Um, my thought process is that um, I, I think FDA is certainly not going to um, or they're going to push hard um, against it. And so will the pharma groups um, just because there are hundreds and hundreds of constituents in hemp and just, you know, making it so broad um, might be difficult, but the industry is trying for it um, and we'll see how it plays out. Perfect. You know, I feel like three years from now, you, me and Sebastian, we could sit down again and just take a look back at all the questions we had and see if all those are answered in the future. But um, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll have to do that over coffee. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, or, or wine, I'm not sure. Um, but thank you so much. We have one more important question for you, Ashish. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? <laughs> wow. You know, uh, I, uh, you know, when, my, when I take my two sons, and, you know, I have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, they love ice cream, and they love to try different flavors. Uh, I stick with one. I love pistachio. So anywhere I go, um, you know, I don't have to think twice, but, uh, what about yours? Tell me what's your favorite. Um, it's, you know, it's so funny. It's definitely pistachio too. And this has been the case since I was like seven or eight years old. It's just the best. It's so good. <laughs> Sebastian, <laughs> your turn. For um, lately I've been on a real green tea ice cream cake. Oh. So Is that right? 
differently. All right. Well, maybe the three of us will try that next time. Yeah, you just got to love the green ice creams, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Ashish, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate hearing your thoughts on the future of the CBD market and how the industry can prepare itself for what lies ahead. It's just always such a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for letting us pick your brain for half an hour straight. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I love talking to you. So I uh, appreciate the opportunity and I'm glad, uh, you know, we were, we were able to chat about this. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's uh, Nutritional Outlook podcast. Um, we're always pleased to take you behind the headlines and provide expert insights from the industry. Remember, you could always find us on the web at nutritionaloutlook.com on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on Twitter at Nutritional O. Views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of Nutritional Outlook, its parent company, or our advertisers. For, e- for editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Jennifer Grebo at jgrebo at mghlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mghlifesciences.com. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We'll see you next time.